And we're also not out here being extremists. We're not saying you need to live like this to be sanctified mm-hmm. or fuck the church. Everything that they did was bullshit. Like we're working out our own soul salvation and our spirituality in real time. We're saying, mm-hmm. I appreciate the scripture. I appreciate Meg Stallion. Like I appreciate give ahead. I appreciate a praise mm-hmm. break. Like it's, we get to do all that. Maybe that's the intro. <laughs> Sanctified. Join this congregation weekly where hot girls and holiness reside, where theology and twerking collide, and where nothing is taboo. And Revelation is more than the Bible's last book. And we're your hosts. What's up? I'm Deborah Joy Winans. I'm a wife, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, and a lover. And I'm learning to live this life without fear or shame in abundance, the way God intended. And I'm LaVon Briggs. I'm a Queens girl, a joy chaser. I'm a daughter of the church and the diaspora. And I'm a black woman spiritual leader who's no longer at war with her body. I know you've been having questions about your faith. And I want you to know that it's okay. God is big enough for your questions. And we might not always have answers, but we definitely have conversations here at Sanctified. This is the safe, sacred space you've been waiting for, where you can get real, honest, raw about your spirituality. So whether you've been in church, whether you've been out of church, whether you've been close to church, we are here for you. We are going to get real. We are going to be honest. And guess what? You always going to leave uplifted. We got you. So think of Sanctified as the littest church service you've ever been to. You're going to get a key key. You're going to get a word. And you even going to get a little Bible study. Because, see, we're going to center the parking lot conversations up in here. Honestly, truly, it's giving Black Girl Revival. Yes, Black Girl Revival. That's what I'm talking about. And we have found the perfect person that will come in and give their testimony, y'all. We're going to sit in this sanctified room and we're going to fellowship. So you don't want to miss that because you will leave a Affirmed, happy, and blessed. So come on and tap in. Deborah Joy, you ready, girl? Look, I'm ready, sis. Let's get it. Period. <laughs> All right. Purity culture. Mm, <laughs> I know. I know. It takes me back. What was your first experience, Levon, with purity culture? I actually did not encounter purity culture until I was good and pseudo grown. I was a college student and I started attending Holiness Pentecostal Church of Christ in Newark, New Jersey. And that was where I started getting the holiness or hell. Holiness is still right. (laughs) So here I am, a college student trying to go to the parties and stuff and being like, no, let me go home and be holy, child. (laughs) (laughs) I love pseudo grown. <laughs> Man, well, it hit me. I was I was a kid. I was probably about seven, eight, maybe nine. Wow. When I had to start being mindful, mindful of what I wore, mindful of how I sat, mindful of the way that I walk. And I mean, as a kid, like I'm trying to play. I'm trying to live. Yeah. But it caused me to start looking at my body a different way, like it was wrong, like it, like I did something wrong as a child because I had to wear certain things. I felt like I couldn't be myself. At seven years old, you're in second grade. 
you're supposed to be thinking about playgrounds and losing your two front teeth and money from the tooth fairy or what. And just smiling and being happy. Hello? Being happy. And and if we are going to go to church two, three times a week, shouldn't my focus be on God? Hello? Shouldn't it be on the abundant love that he has for me and the life that he wants me to live full of joy? Mm-hmm. Not, oh, I can't sit like that. Oh, my clothes. Oh, my shirt. How they going to name you Deborah Joy and try to steal your joy? That don't make no sense. Look, they try. But look. What you didn't give me, you can't take. Iba Shando. Okay. Because at the end of the day, while purity culture affected you as a child, I can tell that you did not let what started as a child manifest into how you're going to be as a woman. Because the thing about purity culture is that even though it comes from men (laughs) and patriarchy, there are women who uphold it as well. Like I'm sure there were church mothers who were trying to give you a lap cloth that's what they were trying to do to me. Absolutely. A lap cloth, a cloth around my neck. If my, my shirt dipped a little too low. Oh, Lord. It certainly almost ruined my adulthood. Mm. But it takes time being able to really see yourself as God sees you and not how these people want you to be seen. Which makes me think about how do you decide what is pure for me? Mm-hmm. Purity is just the definition of it is freedom from anything that debases or contaminates or pollutes, uh, freedom from a foreign or inappropriate element. Mm. So who are you to decide what is appropriate or inappropriate for me and who I am? Because right. last I checked, I'm an individual that God created and I get to decide what is good for me and what is not. Mm-hmm. My walk is not your walk. And then if you look at culture. Really quickly, Deborah Joy, before you shift to culture, something that she said sparked something in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Black girls don't often get the agency that they deserve to say, I am making my own decision about what I want to do with my body, with my time. Like at the family reunions when they're like, oh, go hug your uncle, go hug your auntie. I don't want to hug them. Why are you making me hug this person? So being told what to do with our bodies is something that so many of us grew up with. And it made us insecure because no one was respecting our boundaries. They weren't listening to our wants and our desires. And so purity culture wasn't just about, well, what are you wearing? It was also about what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And are you doing it of your own volition or because someone else is telling you to do this? And that definitely shows up in our adulthood. Oh, from the insecurities to just not even fully knowing who you are because you've been told so many times by other people what they feel you are. Mm -hmm. You're in a space of unknowing. And not being given space to play and dream and grow, which is what we're supposed to be doing as children. (laughs) When I realized I could either listen to them and do what they feel I should do or what they think God has called me to do, Mm -hmm. or I can live out this dream that is in my heart. I can push for it in spite of how they feel and what they think is right or wrong, Mm -hmm. it's a choice that we have to make. And it's sad that we're in that position. And focusing on yourself is countercultural. I know you were going to give us the definition of culture. And so let's set that up. Well, in the dictionary, it's to grow in or on a controlled medium. Mm. Exactly. 
So you are trying to control. You want me in an environment to control my every move. My, my, my. Make sure only what you believe is pure comes to me and I to that. That's the thing. And I think if we focus on that control word, we'll see that culture in the words of Reverend Dr. Michelle Guidry, isn't just about the incidents. It's about the language and the discourse. And so many of us bought into this idea of purity culture simply based on messaging, the messaging that affected our mindset, our faith, our walks with God, and the wildest part about this, Deborah Joy, is that boys were not getting this message the way that girls were. Absolutely not. Men do not get this message the way women do. And that's why I believe fully purity culture is a scam. (laughs) 100% because why is it only me that has to be a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way so that God will love me, find favor with me and allow me to have a good husband? Are you kidding Why does this man deserve me? Hello, questions that need answers. Thank you. (laughs) Because you're not applying this pressure to the deacon that's stealing money or the youth pastor that's trying to date all the collegiate women. Or the pastors that has two, three side chicks. In the congregation. In a congregation, yes, absolutely. The same congregation. We're not trying to point out faults or blames. We are all human. Ultimately, Being comfortable in the body that God blessed you with is being in the spirit because we can't separate the two. And so for many of us, when I think about purity culture and how it explicitly pinpointed our bodies, our sexuality, Mm -hmm. ultimately our sexuality is a sacred gift. And so the natural urges that you have because God divinely designed your body to be activated and to respond to different stimuli, Mm -hmm. if I can get you in conflict with what your body does naturally and God-givenly, you're not going to have time to point out the patriarchy. You're not going to have energy to condemn sexism. You're not going to be trying to lobby or vote or, right? Mm. In the words of Unearth and Bloom, The function of oppression is to exhaust you. You better preach. That's the truth. (laughs) Because if we're, you know, when we stand in our full power, when we Mm. know who we are, there is no stopping us. There is nothing more incredible, more powerful, more mighty than a woman who knows who she is. Come on, somebody. And when we think about the black church specifically, because we sisters now, (laughs) right? The black church is 85% black women. Mm -hmm. Black church leadership is not 85% black women. There is a reason why men have been controlling the narrative around our religion, our faith, and our spirituality. Because if I can control your spirituality, I can control your mind. And if I can control your mind, I can control your body. And so these questions that we're asking and the conversations that we're co-creating, they're not just small drops in the bucket. These kinds of conversations about women reclaiming their agency over their bodies, 
not only puts us back in right standing with God, it also rejects the very history of this nation Mm -hmm. because our foremothers were brought here and their bodies didn't belong to themselves. And former European enslavers used Bible scriptures to keep our ancestors enslaved. And then over time, Black preachers started to adopt the same sort of oppressive ideologies that suppressed women and Mm -hmm. our sexuality. And so this is historical. This is not made up. This was intentional. This was systemic. And this was ongoing. So what we're doing is liberation in motion. In motion. I love that. Liberation in motion. I honestly feel like, Deborah Joy, it's not entirely our fault (laughs) that we bought into purity culture because think about all the sermons that we heard preached around sex and sexuality. And so even though things like pinky promise and things like that still exist and, and black women still buy into that, we know here at Sanctify that there is a whole remnant of women who are saying that's not good enough for me. And I need more, not just from God, but from spiritual leaders who claim to represent God. And we deserve it. And who we have today, I listened and I said, okay, Mm. she is truly liberation in motion. Mm. Her agency, her desire, Mm. the way she knows. You know, when you know that you know that you know something. Yes. This sister knows that she knows that she knows something. Jamila Jones is the kind of woman that the church is afraid of. Absolutely. Self-assured. Mm-hmm. Knowledgeable interrogating mm-hmm. and has not bought into what Dr. Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham would call the politics of respectability because respectability politics and purity culture are fraternal twins. <laughs> if I can get you to believe that the only way you will be seen as worthy of love, especially God's love is by what you do with your body then I can create a whole politic for you to fit into. And Jamila was like, I get out of your boxes like Lauren Hill. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I love about her. She didn't just find her freedom and let that be. Mm -hmm. She didn't just get out. She she's like Harriet. She done turned around and said, now let me get some more free. Challenging the system. And, and that is what we need. Yes. And there's a scripture that says partially that you overcome by the word of your testimony. You remember Mm. testimony services? Look, it was my favorite time, LaVon. It was the time where you would get up and you would be able to talk about what God had done. But there were people where you could see it from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, how good God had been. Mm. That was when I, I heard about who God was and not about what I had to do to earn his love. And we here at Sanctified are doing our own 21st century version of a testimony service. It's not just me and Deborah Joy talking at you. We have our own stories, but we recognize that every path is valid. And so we are so proud that we're inviting sisters in our community to come forward and share their stories, to share their truths during this testimony time. And our very first testifier is Jamila Jones, an educator, facilitator, and digital storyteller. My name is Jamila Jones, and this is my testimony. 
at a certain age, I was told to stop hopping and skipping and jumping around because parts of my body were getting bigger. I remember the first moment that I experienced purity culture. I was sitting on the couch with my cousin and my older cousin would watch us all the time. And she had two boys. She has three now. And we were all just kind of hanging out on the couch. And I had on this big t-shirt and I had the t-shirt over my legs and my legs were up on the couch. And she said, girl, put your legs down, your stuff all showing. And I remember asking her, what stuff? That was the moment that I now know as purity culture becoming a part of my life. And that was when I knew that there was something about my behavior that had to change simply because I was existing in a Black girl's body. 2015, 2016, that era was one of the saddest times in my life. And I know for a fact that it was because I was trying to do everything that purity culture told me I was supposed to be doing in order to be worthy of this love that God was giving me. I didn't grow up in church, but I ended up in church late high school and in my early college years. And that lasted for about a decade of my life. And one of the main things that I learned was that I had to earn God's love, that God was being so nice in giving up his only son for us. I was never going to be worthy, but to be a little worthy of these things that God was doing for me, I had to change who I was. And I remember that I had to resign myself to looking like my elementary school librarian that I would watch on TV if I had any hope of earning God's love for me. There was a uniform for a pure girl, for a Christian Black girl. I had to suppress any sexual desires. I could be cheeky, but not too suggestive. I could be flirty, but only towards people that I had clear intention of. It was about attraction leading to courtship, leading to marriage. I had to change myself. And that made me really sad for a long time because of it. Purity culture takes a lot of things from you. All things that I couldn't partake in, all things that I could not wear, all things that I could not buy, also all things that I could not fit. So there were so many things that I was missing out on because I was part of a culture that did not accept my body. So coming to love and accept my body, like walking past the mirror and going, damn, okay. And not seeing my body as a bad thing and not hunching over and sucking in or like taking a giant sweater out with me, no matter what the weather was like. That didn't come until I came to a place where I could shake purity culture off and realize that I didn't have to apologize for the way that my body looked. Because that's really what purity culture does, particularly to Black women. You have to apologize for your body looking the way it does. And I did that for a long time. And it took me shaking purity culture to realize that the way my hips naturally fall, the way my butt naturally sits, is not a sin, is not a crime, and it's not something that I should be trying to hide from anybody, much less myself. My relationship with God is clearer and more solid than it ever has been because I understand 
that there is nothing I can say or not say, do or not do, that would make God love me more or love me less. On the other side, I know for sure that every person purity culture tells you to stay away from is the community that you need. And as a Black woman, I need people who understand me. I also would be remiss not to mention this. I am a big old queer, okay? And the freedom in knowing that that is not a mistake God made, that that's not some slip up, that's glory. My name is Jamila Jones, and that is my testimony. Wow. Hello? Woo! What a testimony. Mm-mm-mm. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're about to fellowship. Jamila. Welcome. Just came. Girl. Gunslinging. <laughs> it is so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am in awe of you, sis. I have to let you know that at the point that you said you felt like you had to earn God's love, you felt like in order to be just a little worthy of what God was going to do for you, you broke me because how dare anyone make you feel like you have to change the very way God made you? Let's jump in. Deborah Joy, you sounded like you were about to cry just then. Because I was, and I, that's why I had to stop talking. It's just, it is a shame that what God intended for good, people have taken and, and made it so evil and put so many beautiful Black women in bondage, and we have to do all this unlearning and fighting just to get to know who we are. And honestly, I think the first thing that I want to know is who are the people that initially sort of really pushed you into this purity culture? Who were you surrounded by? I was surrounded by Black women in the 90s who had been suppressed themselves and who were told that there were consequences for being anything other than a pure, saved, and holy woman of God. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the don't be a statistic generation. And as the child of a single mother, I can't really begin to describe how it feels to be told indirectly that you are a consequence of your mother's choices Mm. that you are something that happened because your mom didn't honor God Mm -hmm. because that's what that means in the whole, don't be a statistic. Don't be a teen mom. Don't be a single mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading in a book by W.E.B. Du Bois, how does it feel to be a problem? And I was never the same after I read that. Because I was able to put words to how I was pushed into what purity culture is. I was surrounded by Black women who, because they meant well for me, thought that the best way for me to not, quote unquote, go in the wrong direction was to suppress myself in every way possible. Oh, child. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
What you bring up, Jamila, is the deep need for intergenerational healing, Mm -hmm. that the upbringing that you had was a byproduct of obviously what mama and auntie and them were also taught, right? Because as a first generation, I'm getting the same messaging, but it's not necessarily exactly the same as you being fast. It was more along the lines of, this is what we do because we are respectable. Uh (laughs) And so it was less about my body and my sexuality and more about how are you representing this family in the world? But the two are very linked. You can't extract them from each other. So I love that you bring up what we're teaching today as opposed to what we were taught. It really does give me courage to show up in the world the way that I do. To get on the internet as a Black woman saying, hey, this is wrong and here's why, is something that I could never do in a church. Amen. The biggest mystery around purity culture and what what had me so messed up and feeling like I wasn't enough is because I didn't have words for it. Oh, that's so good. And that really does inspire me to do the kind of teaching and facilitation that I do. There are so many people out here who know something's not right, but doesn't know what to call it. For me, my measurement of success is when people say, I knew it was something, I just couldn't find words for it. Mm. Because for me, putting language to why I was feeling the way I was feeling, that led to the domino effect. Feeling like God only loves you when you hit certain benchmarks. What is that called? And learning that that was called purity culture gave me the right things to Google, which gave me the people who were also talking about purity culture, which gave me the community, which gave me the people around me to help me heal and be better. When you started this search of looking for something else, at what point did you recognize and be able to then separate who God is? from purity culture. I was at a Christian conference, which I now know I was only there to meet one of my dearest, dearest friends in the entire world. And it was 2015, 2016. And I was really struggling with the idea of the gender of God. I was really struggling with that. And they looked me dead in the face and said, does God have a penis? And I was shook. I mean, no. And they said, "Okay, well, in the way that humans, in the way that purity culture constructs gender, how is God a man? How does that make sense? Period. And I said, oh, we can get free in here. That's okay. Good. Like that was like that was the moment. And when my friend asked me that question, when I tell you everything changed. I said, oh, this healing is possible. This is possible. That was it. That question is a game changer. Shifting. Because (laughs) I'm thinking about how as little girls, we're not given language about our bodies, vagina, vulva, ovaries, uterus, what have you, right? Mm -hmm. But we're given language about God, categorizing God as a male-bodied entity when God doesn't have a body. God is a spirit. And so even though we may not have been allowed to say the word penis, 
we were raised to believe that God had a penis. Right. That is so wild to me. While we're not even using the old anatomically correct terms for our bodies. Mm-hmm. That is wild. What you said, Jamila, what you testified to the fact that purity culture takes things from you that you didn't realize you didn't have until you are an adult, right? You talked us through your journey of interrogation and language acquisition and being able to put these frameworks together, right? But let's put the theoretical stuff aside for a second. In your body, how are you reclaiming mm-hmm, what purity culture took from you? See, now that will get me to crying because really I am a body having a communal experience. Truly I am. Wow. Like, you know how they say, oh, I'm, a, I'm a body having a spiritual experience. I am having a communal experience with everyone that purity culture told me should not be my friend. Mm. And I remember, like, I remember sitting in churches and being told that these people, the, the queer people, and the sexually promiscuous people and the people who dressed provocatively and the men who looked at the people who dressed provocatively were, and the people who were unashamed of their bodies were all people that I was supposed to stay away from. I was supposed to quite literally run the other way. I mean, I listened to a sermon titled Run the Other Way. And it was this literally, and we were supposed to like run away from everything that was the devil was trying to use to tempt us into sin. And years later, it breaks me down realizing that all of those people are my community, are part of my body, are part of the experience I'm having. My God. So realistically, go have lunch with everybody the church said was going to lead you to hell. Go and have lunch. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Go do it. <laughs> yes. Everything that made you feel good sexually or otherwise has you looking up like, is this a sin? Let me go check and make sure. I mean, specifically, <laughs> there are foods that I eat that I never would have touched underneath purity culture. Like what? Oh, cheeseburgers. Oh, a double-double with grilled onions. Cheeseburgers, absolutely. Like the cheeseburger, it doesn't have to be like the double patty, but the patty that's like super greasy, like off of your uncle's grill with like the cheese and the lettuce and the tomatoes and the pickles, all of that was a gluttonous thing. Mm. And to be like feminine and pure meant that you had to literally adjust the things that you put into your body. Mm. I am wearing a red lipstick from a black owned brand that I would not have worn because that is the color way or the signal of sinful behavior. Okay, period. Can you believe the makeup launches that I missed out on in the 2000s? Really? Not Ruby Woo. Not missing out on Ruby Woo. (laughs) I missed out (laughs) on, you think I'm playing Ruby Woo? Oh no, that was for the Jezebels. You couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And I still didn't get to the sexuality part. (laughs) But still, everything that brought me pleasure, I was double checking to see if it was sinful. The fact that we didn't get to the actual sex part, though, shows just how deeply purity culture runs because it condemns pleasure, period. 
right? Right. It, it demonizes desire. As women and young girls, especially, we weren't supposed to have any desire that wasn't outside of serving God, which is why we end up frying all the chicken, printing all the programs, cleaning all the bathrooms, right? washing all the kids, mixing up all the pines, right. like everything. But not being ordained, but not being called pastor, Right. And so purity culture isn't just about sex. And I think that's why it's so intriguing that we're not even getting to the sex part because it's so much more than just sex. Right. And you helped us to see that even with your storytelling, right, about being conscious of what you're wearing, what you're putting on your body. So what are you wearing these days that makes you feel just ooh, like you want a body roll? You know what I'm saying? Well, before we body roll, before we because I, I love a good body roll. I want to know real quick, did you lose friendships when you found your freedom? Oh, yeah. The phone calls and the text messages that say I have to follow God now. Yeah. That say I was convicted in church this morning and it really it. I feel like God is telling me that we really need to spend less time together. Absolutely. Did that deter you in any way? Absolutely not. No, because see. One of the last official like church sermons I went to, like as a purity culture girl, the pastor preached. And I remember him saying, when you follow God, you won't lose anything worth keeping. I say, oh, word. So now that I'm sure of who God is, the people who are sending me texts and DMs and separating from me are just making room for the community that I need. That's the shout right there. It did not deter me at all. I said, oh, okay, cool. Word. Well, now nah, remember you said that. You said that. I wrote it down in the little spiritual journal that I was supposed to have in my prayer closet. You said that when I encountered who God is, I will not lose things worth keeping. You said that. Ah. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> in what ways has your life expanded? Who has been called into you since you have been on this journey? My fiance, because I thought that I was going to end up single and alone and regretting giving my body to so many people. But that's not how it shook out. He appreciates all the things about me that bring me pleasure and bring me joy. That's like, oh, I, I like that lipstick on you. Like what color? The red? OK, how much? And you, you know, you got him. When he say, how much was that? You got him. Yeah, because he like, let's go get it. <laughs> like, let's make sure you have that. <laughs> how much you need? Plus tax, I got you. Because that means like, let's make sure we keep you in that. Uh, but yeah, my community of people, my friends, my family, my sisters, who were there the entire time, but I now have such a more genuine, close relationship with. I didn't lose nothing worth keeping. I'm looking at a woman that is so free mm -hmm. and so happy, so full. Thank you. It's beautiful. Jamila, you are beautiful in every way. You're worthy, beloved. Thank you so much for being here, for your vulnerability, for your authenticity. Thank you. You are a badass for real. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come back. Because, I mean, like, we have to talk about all the joy, about all the joy, all the fun things. We do. Like, I have shoulders and I love them. I love a tube top and a skirt, a tube top and a pair of jeans. Yes. 
Like what? I have like shoulders and a neck and like the little body glitter that you can put on. Also, the body glitter of the 2000s couldn't have that. But now Fenty made it. And now I can have it now. Shout out to Rihanna. Thank you, Robin Fenty. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Two tops, sis. That is glory. Two tops, glory. What? Kissed by the sun? Melanated goodness? What? I never. Purity culture says wear a shawl. No. Purity culture had me with five denim skirts. I had knee-length ones, one with a split in the front, one with a split in the back, two ankle-length ones, split in the front, split in the back. And then for the youth night, I had a long mermaid bedazzled one. And the 2000s were already lawless for fashion. (laughs) If you are lawless, we was wearing denim skirts, we was wearing trucker hats, belts. And I really do feel like if you grew up in purity culture and the 2000s, if you are at that intersection, you may be entitled to financial compensation because, oh my God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Jamila, you've got to come back. Mm-hmm. Amen. You better keep shining. I will. And until we get to see you again, it, it is an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up next, we're bringing the offering for you, our listeners. was powerful. Mm-hmm. It's an honor to be here. Levon, it's an honor to be in the room. It's an honor to hear these words. And this is the point that I love because this is what we get to give back. I like to offer something mm-hmm. to the sisters out here listening. We don't want you to just leave empty. What we are trying to offer is a way to, to move out of that, if you so please. If this was not your choice, here is a way to move freely. If this is your choice, that's okay. As long as it's your choice, we love you, sis. We want you to live your full, authentic life. I'm just, I'm amazed. Mm. It's so funny. She, she was bound by what purity culture put in her. Mm. But to see the purity of her right now is like that's the liberated it's mind-blowing that is my offering the purity that she walks in Mm -hmm. after taking away the shame of purity culture that's the liberated purity culture how pure of yourself can you be how authentic can you be to the original divine design of your being The closer you get to being yourself is the closer you get to God. And that's purity. Mm. Girl! (laughs) That's what we hold on to. That's what we walk away with. That's what we offer. The closer you are to being what God has called for you to be, it's the closer you get to God. And that's purity. Not family. Not church. Mm Mm-mm. Not society, not your degrees, not even your man, not even your children. Yeah. Because that's a part of you. These relationships that orbit you, that's a part of you, but it doesn't define you. Who you are, who God designed you to be is who you are. And when you walk in that, 
That is the real purity. Come on, somebody. My God, she was, that's, that's what I'm taking. And I know someone is listening to this and they're saying, this sounds real good, but how do I do that? And I think the fact that purity culture disrupted our lives all at different ages, but that it can start as young as five, six, seven, go back to who you were at five, six, seven. What did you enjoy doing back then? Was it a pogo stick? Was it a hula hoop? Was it froyo? right? Go back and play and reclaim that time in your life. Purity culture does not have the final say. So whether you're going back to college, <laughs> high school, elementary school, go thrifting and find you an outfit from the 2000s. Go <laughs> buy that lipstick shade that you swore you could never wear to church and apply it. And as you apply it, whisper affirmations. I am loved of God. I am created in the image and likeness of God. God rejoices over me with singing. I am the apple of God's eye with my ruby woo. But LaVon, for those who are looking for a way out, who feel like they have been in bondage, what can we give them to walk away from this conversation feeling uplifted and, and on a new path? I think extremism is a byproduct of fear. Mm -hmm. And so for sisters who are working through their unlearning of purity culture, it doesn't have to be all this or all that, right? We can have a both and. So while purity culture, the shame around it, the disembodiment that it fosters for us, the either or mentality that the flesh is bad and the spirit is good, we can leave that BS behind, right? Mm -hmm. What we get to hold on to is the idea that sexuality is a good and sacred gift. I do believe that part. Even the Bible says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't be giving your sex goodness, godness just to anybody, right? <laughs> but also know that you can do that if you so choose. right? And for me whether I'm sexually active or I'm celibate or I'm engaged in sex in a relationship, outside of a relationship, it's all based on what makes me feel good in my body. And I think the pillar that we can hold on to is that purity culture <laughs> is a scam and it still invites us into a conversations about reintegrating our spirituality, our sensuality, and our sexuality. Know that whatever you choose, you are loved. Mm -hmm. Know that God does not look at you differently. Know that there is an unconditional wealth of love that is cast over you. Where you walk, where you move, where you think, where you reside. And know that... Your sexuality is a part of you, but it doesn't define you. There are so many other things that make us the women that we are. Mm -hmm. All of that to say, you are good. Yeah. In the words of Tiana Taylor, self-love is the best love. And you can't love yourself if you don't love and accept all parts of yourself. And so as you're on your journey, let us know. How has this conversation activated some things in you? What conversations are happening in the group chat? <laughs> How are you making this real? Because while purity culture has had an influence, it doesn't always have to. Amen. 
So thank you for joining us at Sanctify today. Y'all, we are here for you. This is a place where there is no shame, no condemnation. You will be seen, you will be heard, and you will be loved on. That is the goal at the Church of Sanctified. So come on back. And if there's something you want us to talk about or something you want to let us know, just get something off your chest, you can email us at sanctified at unbotherednetwork.com. And remember, God is love and so are you. So come on and get sanctified. Sanctified is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Jamel Hill's Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39. Hosted by Deborah Joy Winans and LaVon Briggs. From Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, executive producers are Jamel Hill and Evan Dick. Head of content for Unbothered is Christina Tapper. Head of network operations is Rich Burner. Creative producer is Ashley J. Hobbs. From Spotify, executive producer is Christina Tapper. Senior creative executive is Corinne Gilliard. Creative executive is Grace Delia. Senior program manager is Jessica Dow. And program manager is Jenna Lonergan. Special thanks to all the cross-functional teams at Spotify that helped bring this program to life. This episode includes original music produced by Cheyenne G. New episodes of Sanctified come out every Wednesday, only on Spotify. So be sure to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And we out. Yay! Now I was having Bible study. I'm screaming. <laughs>